0: Today we have a guest preacher with us. I want to invite Jonah Hill to come on up. Jonah is uh, a member of our congregation. Uh, he and his wife, Anna, and they just had their third child. And so we're rejoicing and thankful for your growing family. Uh, Jonah, if you haven't met him, is a student at Reformed Theological Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi. And so that's my alma mater. So I'm thankful you're making good choices. Uh, have they gave you the sticker yet to put on your car? So yeah. uh, uh, we, we have wanted to have Jonah come and preach in this pulpit many times before, but providential, providentially he's been hindered. But we're glad with you're here today to share God's word with us. He is an intern with our church and an intern in our presbytery. And part of that is, is, uh, learned, is preaching from uh, the, the pulpit. And glad you get to do that here in your, your home church. So thank you. We pray for you as you share God's word with us. Father, thank you for calling Jonah and Anna to the ministry that you've had. Uh, Lord, thank you that they're part of us and and we love them, Lord. And thank you for this call to ministry that you've given him. Lord, now as he preaches your word, would you give him strength and unction? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Wilson.
1: Well, it is uh, a delight to be here. Um, If you would, please turn with me in your copy of God's word to... Psalm 54. That's where we will be this morning, Psalm 54. Before I begin reading, let's go to God in prayer and ask for His help. Oh God, you are infinite and eternal and unchangeable in your being and wisdom and power and holiness and justice and goodness and truth. Lord, your word is truth. We pray that you would sanctify us by it, that you would open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things out of your law. We pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would enable us to encounter you, the true and the living God. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Psalm 54. This is God's holy word to us, his people. To the choir master with stringed instruments. A maskul of David, when the Ziphites went and told Saul, Is not David hiding among us? O God, save me by your name, And vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer, Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me, Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Selah. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good, for he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will last forever." You'll notice there in the superscription, and as we've already seen in First Samuel twenty-three in our Old Testament reading, that David wrote this psalm when he was hiding from Saul's violent pursuit. And we've already um, seen that it was the Ziphites that went to Saul and ratted David out, told Saul where David was hiding. David is indeed in a very helpless and hopeless situation. At least that's what we're led to believe reading Psalm 54 at the beginning. And this morning, I want you to know what David does with his helpless situation. He goes to God. And this morning, I want you to know that God was not just a helper to David. But he is your helper as well. And he's not a helper lowercase h. He's a helper uppercase h, capital H. He is the helper to his people. And I want you to consider with me three things from this psalm this morning as we investigate David's situation, his plight. First, I want us to see David's plea in verses 1 through 3. And then I'd like for us, secondly, to consider David's confidence. Where is it and whom does David place his confidence in his time of trouble? And thirdly and finally, I'd like for us to consider David's praise in verses 6 through 7. So look with me at our first point this morning, which is David's plea. Beginning at verse 1 again, O oh God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. O oh God, hear my prayer and give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me, ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. David knows that no matter how far he runs from the pursuit of Saul and his enemies, that he is hopeless Without God's help you cannot run away from bad people you cannot get rid of them by moving and David knows this well in verse 3 he talks about strangers that have risen up against him ruthless men that hunt him down to seek his life It's interesting that though the Ziphites were kinsmen of David, they were Judahites like him, they had risen up against David. They were godless. They acted as if they did not know David, and they sought his life. David's own people have turned from him. They have betrayed him. What is he to do and all of us have been betrayed in one way or another. I can guarantee that. And if you haven't been, you probably will be. And so what do you do when betrayal comes? When trouble confronts you? Well, David goes to the one who will never leave or forsake or betray his people. He goes to God In prayer he goes to God and he makes his plea by an appeal to God's character you see prayer brings out what we truly believe about God especially prayers offered in difficult providence he says David does save me and how is God to save his people how is God to save David Well, David tells us. He says, it's by your name, O God, that I will be saved. And here we get a glimpse of David's theology, what he believes about God. David knows that there is no other name under heaven which will deliver men than God's name. And so he cries out to that name for salvation. He believes that God in Christ is able to save him. And for David, God's name is the same thing as God's character, who he he has revealed himself to be covenantally to his people, how he relates to them. To invoke God's name, as David does, is to invoke God's very character, God himself. David doesn't call upon his own name. Notice that. He doesn't look to his troops to come up with a better strategy so that he might defeat Saul. That's what we might expect to happen, but that's not what happens. He calls out to God and his character. And what a relief this is for you and for me because how feeble and inconsistent is our character and our name. But God's character is flawless, it's blameless. David, of course, would pass this theology on to his son, Solomon. You remember in Proverbs what Solomon wrote. He says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous one runs to it and is safe. The God who was faithful to his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is the God that is faithful to his covenant with you and with me if you are in Christ this morning. But David must be vindicated, and he will tell us that in verse 1b. He says, God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. Or your translation might say, judge me by your strength. So David is pleading for the Lord to save him and to vindicate him. He knows that only God can do this. That's why he writes earlier in Psalm 35, verse 24, Vindicate me, O Lord, my God. And how is he to do this? He goes on, according to your righteousness. And let the enemy not rejoice over me. It's only by God's righteousness imputed to us in Christ that we might be vindicated. This is how he defends David's cause, and this is how he defends your cause this morning. You can never run far enough into the deepest cave or the, the farthest wilderness that you can find to be safe, to be vindicated from your enemy. This is something only God can do supernaturally by his own strength. It's something that David recognizes, recognizes and it's something that you need to recognize this morning is that you are not strong enough and not powerful enough to save yourself, to vindicate yourself. This is something that only God in Christ can do. That's why Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.21 would say that God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we all might become the righteousness of God. That's what we need. But it's Christ that has to do that. That's David's plea. He begs God to save him by his name, to vindicate him by his strength. And now I want us to notice David's confidence. That's our second point this morning, David's confidence. Look with me in verses 4 and 5. This seems to be the centerpiece of this psalm. Behold, David wants to call our attention to this line Behold, God is my helper. God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. You see, David cannot merely say that God will help him, but that God is on his side. That's what he wants us to understand when he talks about God upholding our life, keeping our life, preserving our life. It has the sense that God will stick with us as he helps us. He will be by our side as he helps us. Maybe you have been helped before, but it was hardly anything more than a quick and kind gesture. And then that person who helped you said bye-bye and then walked away and that was the last time that you saw them though a kind gesture nonetheless that's not the help that david refers to here in this psalm Um, this is not the help that david experiences in this psalm or that you and i experience when god decides to deal with us in our trouble Maybe you have been in a hopeless and helpless situation. Again, maybe you have been betrayed like David was. And so you cry out to God, not merely to help you, but for him to draw near to you, to be with you, to guide you, to stick with you. Because you have a feeling that this trouble will continue throughout the duration of your life. Most of us experience trouble very often. And we need to cry out to God for help. And that's exactly what David does. But David, Christ, wants you to do the same thing to go to God in your time of need. He will help you, He will uphold your life. David has already made his appeal to God in his helpless situation. And he's done so not not by appealing, again, to his own name or his own craftiness. Remember, Saul was told that David was cunning. He was crafty. Many people accuse David of that. But look at where David goes in his time of need. He does not take the characteristic of being cunning, but he takes the characteristic of being lowly. And submitting to God and going to him in prayer. And that's what we all need to do. It's by the name of the covenant God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that David goes for help. Remember Psalm 121. The Psalm of ascents. That wonderful psalm that many of you probably have memorized The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. You're going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the God to whom David appeals, hangs his trust, and to whom David belongs. A God who is faithful to his people, who comes to their aid in their greatest need, and who stays with them and keeps their life forever. It's always best to look away from ourselves in our time of need anyway. But how often do you devote yourself to other helpers in a difficult time? Maybe you don't go up to Sano Mountain and hide away when trouble comes. Um, but we have other ways, don't we? We have other means by which we hide from God's help and flee to other helps. But remember the words of that great hymn that we just heard in Abide With Me. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, and they will, other helpers will fail, other comforts will always flee from us they will never stick by our side help of the helpless abide with me with david you must appeal to the character of the one who can and who will and who does deliver you no one else think about this no one else can be this kind of helper for us no one else if you're a believer in the lord jesus christ You know his character, don't you? He has shown his kindness to you time and time again. If you thought David's situation with Saul and the Ziphites and later on Shimei and other people that would confront him and assault him, if you thought those situations were bad, how much worse was your situation? And perhaps how much worse is your situation if you do not belong to Christ this morning? In your most dire strait, which saw the chains of sin and death entangle your life, God stooped down to you in his kind and tender mercy. And by his grace and through his precious son, he has redeemed you with his own blood. This blood that covers you and declares you to be righteous in his sight. He's shown himself to be your helper. And even now by the Holy Spirit, he upholds your life. And in just a little while, we will partake of the tangible benefits of his life and death and resurrection. We will taste and see that he is good. Just as David did. The second implication of God's character is that the salvation he provides promises an end to your enemies. Verse 5, he will return the evil to my enemies, and your faithfulness put an end to them. David did see the defeat of his enemies, but not finally. And we have seen a great defeat but we still await the end of sin and death and Satan, and God promises to do away with these enemies. First Corinthians 15:24 through26, that we await the end, when He delivers the kingdom of God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to to be destroyed, of course, is death. That's what David longed for. And that's what we will see. And this is a God who will be faithful to do it. So that's David's confidence. He hangs his hope on a trustworthy God who will be there for him, who will stick with him, In all his troubles. But what is David's response to this great salvation? That's what we'll consider in our final point, David's praise, our third and final point this morning. We know from 1 Samuel 23 that God did deliver David from the Ziphites, from Saul, from his enemies. We're even told, interestingly, that after Saul returned from pursuing David, that the place in which David hid himself was named the Rock of Escape. How fitting. It's not that that particular geographic location saved David, and so it was a rock to him, but it's symbolic of the fact that at that place, God revealed his covenant faithfulness to David and saved him out of trouble. So what is David's response to this? Well, there's only one adequate response. It's praise and worship. And praise is the fruit produced by confidence in God. And David and you and me can be unshakably confident in Yahweh. And so we are to respond as David has with adoration, with praise and worship. Notice in verse 6, look with me there, that David devotes himself to a sacrifice. And this is a particular sacrifice. It's a a free will offering that David, David will offer. And this kind of offering was one that was to be, as you can imagine, given freely, voluntarily, as each person saw fit. It was to be seen as something motivated not by compulsion, but by love and by joy. So out of love and joy, David will freely offer a sacrifice of praise to the Lord because of the help that he has been given. And as he worships, he praises God's name, his character, the one who both saves and upholds, even until the last enemy is defeated. And that's how we, with David, can call God's name good, as he does in verse 6. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord. For it is good. It is good. And one of the ways in which he displays this goodness is given to us in verse 7. He has delivered me from every trouble. And my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. I wonder if God's acts of kindness and mercy and grace to you... This morning, move you to do the same? Do you bring your free will offerings to God? Do you submit to Him? Do you worship Him in response to the great kindness that He has shown you in Christ? Do you offer up your very life, the whole person, as a sacrifice of praise to Him? David, And his situation of trouble is calling us to do that. To go to him in our great need. To submit to him. To confess that all other helpers are really no help at all. And that God himself is our only comfort in life and death. So may God, by his Holy Spirit, cause us to savor the faithfulness of God and offer a free will offering to him with our lives, knowing that he is the God who has delivered us from every trouble and vindicated us by his might and who will keep us to the end. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, We thank you that you have stooped down to us by your great mercy and kindness, by your grace, and the person of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he has become our help, that you have sent your Holy Spirit to comfort us. Oh God, we pray that we would have hearts that are willing to submit to you to abandon all other helpers and to fly to you in our time of great need and always. Father, we thank you for your word. Now we ask that as your word has been made visible to us at this table, that we would be reminded of the great sacrifice that has been given for us in Christ and the great victory that we have in his resurrection.